0: Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar, Promising Practices for Supporting Duly Eligible Older Adults with Complex Pain Needs. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on June 27, 2019. In this podcast, Dr. Beth Darnell provides an overview of the prevalent, common causes, and types of complex pain needs among older adults, as well as different approaches to pain management.
1: So the experience of pain is prevalent among older adults, with roughly 40% of those age 65 or greater reporting chronic pain. 15% have high impact chronic pain, and we define this as pain that limits life or work activities on most days for the previous six months. Among adults who are duly eligible for both Medicare and Medicaid, they report having higher rates of chronic pain as well as higher rates of high impact chronic pain than adults who receive other types of insurance coverage. And the pain that they experience is more frequent and more severe and more impactful. So pain, again, a very big problem in this patient population. And the negative effects of chronic pain are not just the physical and emotional suffering that they experience, but they also disrupt Family and social relationships. Next slide, please. So, among duly eligible older adults who have chronic pain, they're also at risk for poor outcomes. Um, and also poor response to pain interventions that we try to treat their pain. They tend to have greater pain intensity, pain of longer duration, uh, what we call overlapping pain conditions or experiencing pain in multiple bodily sites. They're more likely to be prescribed opioids and to have polypharmacy, multiple drugs being prescribed to treat their pain. They have greater functional impairments, more likely to have depression, anxiety, or other psychological comorbidities, and to have limited social supports and also mobility challenges. Next slide, please. Common causes of pain um, include a variety of reasons. This can be Increased prevalence can be due to uh, chronic diseases, injuries, um, other pain syndromes, and cancer, for instance. Common causes include injuries from falls, with falls and fractures being the number one reason that older adults visit the emergency department, surgeries such as joint replacements, and painful medical conditions like diabetic neuropathy. So geriatric pain assessments should include an assessment of the cause of pain, as that will inform the appropriate treatment pathway. And later on in my presentation, I'll discuss assessments. Next slide, please. Common types of pain that uh, are frequently experienced in older adults include nociceptive pain, pain caused by body tissue or uh, damage such as arthritis, low back pain, or fractures. Neuropathic pain that is caused by nerve damage. This can be, uh, examples include diabetic neuropathy, shingles, or even certain types of back pain. And mixed and undetermined pain types. This examples include cancer, fibromyalgia, Uh, depression, or also just pain of unknown etiology. Pain that is untreated is more likely to have detrimental consequences, like functional decline, incapacitation, and frailty. Treatments should be tailored to the type of the pain. So for instance, opioids should generally be avoided for migraine headaches. This is one example. Next slide, please. A biomedical approach to pain treatment focuses on external solutions and medication, while a biopsychosocial approach helps older adults understand what they can do to keep their pain under better control and to minimize use of medications and medical treatments. So helping activate your patients in their pain care process is one of the most important roles you can play. Opioids may be an important part of some individuals' pain care plans, but opioids are just one tool in the toolbox, and I'll be discussing a range of additional treatments in my presentation. Next slide, please. In terms of opioid use, um, these data are from 2015. we in uh, about one in five older adults were prescribed at least one opioid prescription in the course of a year. And over on the right hand uh, side of the slide, you see that overall, 7% of older adults filled four or more opioid prescriptions over the course of the year, with older adults with lower incomes being more likely to be prescribed opioids. Next slide, please. Now there are advantages and disadvantages of opioid prescribing among older adults. Advantages include reduced pain for some people. They can be an essential part of a comprehensive care pain care plan for some people when used along with self-management strategies, movement therapies, and other types of treatments. For some people, opioids may support increased function, but this varies by the individual and should be monitored. Disadvantages include an array of negative side effects, such as uh, memory and cognitive effects for some people, increased risk for falls and fractures, especially among those with cognitive impairment or those who are medically frail. Some individuals may find opioids highly rewarding, which can cause depressed mood, passivity, and there is risk for addiction. Accidental overdose, sleep, apnea, and respiratory depression are um, additional risks. Higher opioid doses increase all of the health risks described above. And then lastly, constipation and confusion are uh, typical uh, and common symptoms and side effects described by people taking opioids. Next slide, please. So key considerations Opioids shouldn't really be avoided as a first line analgesic for chronic pain. They shouldn't be the first line pain reliever, but they can be appropriate for some patients, especially within the context of acute pain. Opioid stigma is common. So, you may not be a prescriber, but you can play an important role in normalizing older adults' fears and concerns and provide non judgmental support if they do need and use opioid medication. Person centeredness is key. So, tailoring a care, par- uh, care plan based on the individual factors is critical. Next slide, please. Always offer local behavioral treatments when available. So providing education and self-management even when medications are prescribed. So these can include online, print, and behavioral resources. You can reference some tip sheets that accompany this webinar. The main point is to avoid binary thinking, but it's either medications or behavioral treatment. It's actually both. We want to be aware that opioid guidelines and policies typically do not take individual needs into account. Some patients have been enduring forced opioid tapering or have decreased access to the pain medications that they need. This can occur at the point of the pharmacy. Many older adults fear losing access to their medications and do not have effective alternatives. So be aware of this fear, provide compassionate support, and also be aware that this decreased access to medications may drive illicit use. So you wanna monitor your patients closely. Next slide, please. Opioid tapering is the um, slow, reduced use of opioids over time, or what we call opioid deprescribing. Now, opioid deprescribing to a preset dose is not supported by the CDC, and we really want to take an individual approach to deprescribing in cases where that's appropriate. Forced opioid deprescribing should always be avoided whenever possible. Opioid deprescribing or tapering should be done in partnership so you work with older adults to gain their trust and their willingness to try a slow opioid taper. During the process of opioid deprescribing, monitor patients very closely for changes in pain, mood and distress. The point of an opioid taper is to help patients have better pain care. If they are observed to be deteriorating, you want to consider altering the treatment course. And for more information, you have resources provided to you here. Next slide, please. Now previously I described a, a biomedical treatment approach and now I'd like to talk about the biopsychosocial treatment model for pain. Next slide please. So we want to be mindful that we're assessing the needs of the whole person. Pain is a multi-dimensional experience that's impacted by an array of uh, factors including sleep, mood, and activity. We want to use validated pain assessment tools based on the older person's ability to communicate, so their verbal capacities. We want to include assessments that uh, are both self-report and also observational in nature. Be mindful that if older adults have cognitive impairment, um, you want to engage caregivers and family members uh, to do this whole person assessment. And assessments should be readministered consistently over time. Next slide, please. In addition to assessing pain intensity, it's important to assess various characteristics of a person's pain. So these are just some of those examples, in tr- including pain location, quality, um, limitations, and the types of treatments a patient has tried. Next slide, please. Now, it's common for individuals who are experiencing pain to also have concomitant uh, cognitive and emotional distress about their pain. And this is important to assess and treat because a person's mindset and their psychological disposition has a capacity to amplify their pain. We want to help our patients get to the point where they feel a greater degree of control and they have tools and skills that they can use to better control their own experience. Next slide, please. Next slide. Yeah, Thank you. Cognitive behavioral therapy is the gold standard, biopsychosocial treatment for chronic pain. Um, this is uh, a treatment typically delivered by a psychologist that is skills-based and often may in- integrate family members and spouses in the process so that patients can learn information and ways to help themselves better manage their pain. Next slide, please. So that an individual will have develop greater self-efficacy to control their own pain experience. Next slide. Oh, there we go. Okay, so it's important to be mindful that a passive approach to pain care does not work well. So this is where self-management is vitally important. If behavioral support is not available to your patients, you are their actual point of support. So at each visit, both patients into various resources that they can use and then ask them how they're doing with self-management. Minimize the focus on medication during your medical visits, and instead focus on helping the patient with access self-management resources. Here, I provide information about the American Chronic Pain Association, the Pain Toolkit, and also low-cost and free evidence-based self-management programs that you can integrate into the care of your patients. Next slide, please. Finally, um. Empowered Relief is a single session, two hour behavioral medicine class that is scalable, accessible, and low cost. You can access information about this treatment at the website. This is a treatment that any healthcare clinician can become certified to provide to your patients in group format. So this is um, both efficient and you can treat many patients at one time. Longer course behavioral treatments include uh, eight-week cognitive behavioral therapy or the chronic pain self-management program. At this link, um, you may find that the chronic pain self-management program is offered free of charge uh, in various municipalities, so check your local resources. Next slide, please. So we recommend inclusion of movement therapies walking, gentle yoga, and you may also choose to host a free American Chronic Pain peer support group in your clinic or healthcare organization with uh, information here on how you can access that. Lastly, screen and monitor your patients for depression, as this can impede engagement and pain self-management. Next slide, please. In terms of non-pharmacological pain management, first determine the cause of pain, focus on non-pharmacological pain management strategies and lifestyle interventions wherever possible. These can include ergonomics, adjustment in sensory stimuli, lifestyle techniques, and relaxation techniques to better manage pain. Next slide. And in terms of pharmacologic pain management, discuss with older patients any concerns that they may have about using pain medications. Ensure that your patients understand what adverse effects may occur and have a plan to address them. Establish a process for discussing adverse effects and managing those. Encourage and provide access to behavioral treatments to avoid medication becoming the only pain relief strategy that your patients are using. And in terms of medications, always start low and go slow. If treatment goals are not met, advancing the dose is reasonable before trying another intervention. Next slide. Finally, these key takeaways Assess the whole person and consider all biopsychosocial factors when conducting geriatric pain assessments. Account for the pain type and cause when identifying treatments. Provide patients education and local and online resources for self-management of pain and symptoms and provide this at the outset of care. Screen for depression and refer when appropriate as this can impede engagement in pain self-management. Encourage older adults to access these complementary approaches, which are really primary treatments for pain. Always start low and go slow when using pain medications and prescribing pain medications. And since opioids are likely to be prescribed in duly eligible older adults, be aware of the risks and benefits to select patients, monitor carefully, and always employ an
0: integrated approach to pain relief Beyond Opioids. Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Lewin Group and is supported through the Medicare and Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to helping beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations and care models. To learn more about current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care.